didn't ever see this day coming, but it, it's here. So you know, we have to we have to make decisions that we think give us the best chance for our football team moving forward. That's 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 all you can do. That's Sir Cutter, head coach of the Buccaneers. He is addressing the firing of his longtime friend and Bucks defensive coordinator Mike Smith. We're going to delve into this Buccaneer breaking news. I am Mike Neighbors, and this is a few extra bucks. Our podcast here on pewterpirates.com. Shortly, I'm going to bring in our producer, Justin Thomas, and our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings. But first, we have to thank our title sponsors. That would be House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke, and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great locations in Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island. Great brews, great food, great service. Uh, we even hear that, Roy Cummings, as I bring you in quickly. I don't think this was a dirt cutter decision. I think this has Glazier family written all over it. I think they made this move. Roy Cummings, are you with me on this? I say you are absolutely right. Uh, I agree with you 100%. This was a move, I believe, made by the Glazers. I think they've been watching uh, their Twitter uh, feeds, their Facebook pages. They've been listening to the fans um, who always want people fired. There's no sport uh, where – Fans want people fired more than they want them fired in football. Every time something goes wrong, they think firing the coach is the answer uh, or firing the quarterback is the answer. It's not. I doubt that this is the answer either. But, yeah, uh, this was not Dirk Cutter's call. This was a, I'm sure this went down much like uh, when Tony Dudgy was told to uh, fire Mike Shula or else much like he was told a couple times to fire his defensive, his offensive coordinator or else. Um, th- this was probably it's, uh, it's him or you. Take your pick. And uh, he's really left with no other choice. You know, I, I agree with you on that. And you've been consistent that getting rid of, of a defensive coordinator, regardless really, isn't going to change a lot of the dynamics of a football team. I'm guessing you still feel the same way. I do. And the reason I say that is you can't do much scheme wise at this point in the season, you put in all that off season work, all that preseason work, all the, uh, you know, all the training camp, everything else. And plus a quarter plus now five weeks of, of NFL games into this scheme. You can make a couple of tweaks here and there, but you can't change major schematics they're still going to be in essence who they are maybe they play a little bit more press coverage here and there maybe they blitz a little bit more little things but you know what's interesting Mike and I don't know if I said this in our podcast yesterday but I honestly think that they were coming off what might what was arguably Mike Smith's best effort as a coordinator play caller defensive play caller uh in this game this year I I thought that he recognized the blitzes were working yesterday early on went to him consistently in the second half, you know, stemmed the tide uh, with the Falcons, gave the team a chance to get back in it. Yes, it it all came back to earth again late in the game. But really, as you and I talked about it, Justin, you were there too. uh, You know, as we all kind of, I think, agreed yesterday, this game came came down as much to two interceptions by Jameis Winston, a missed extra point, as it did the defense. So – you know, I'm right there. I don't know that this changes much, especially with Mark Duffner taking over as the supposed coordinator slash play caller. 
All right, this is the worst defense in the NFL. They've allowed an average of 34 points per game. But <laughs> I question the timing. Like, I wouldn't have had as big a problem getting rid of Mike Smith. And I don't like anybody losing their job. I'll say that. These people on Twitter and these social media freaks out there who just enjoy people losing their jobs, you know, get a life. Good for you if you feel that way. But <laughs> if he was going to lose his job to me, why not during the bye week post-Chicago? Why now? And this is what Dirk Cutter had to say. You know, we were going into the bye week. We've we've had quite a few things uh, injury-wise not work out the way we had originally planned. I thought it was important that uh, both sides of the ball be able to go through the self-scouting process during the bye week and uh, see if we could make some adjustments that would that would help us play better as a football team. Uh, I, I do think that we had a, a good plan on defense for Atlanta. We, d- we did a we did a lot of things that we we had planned to do. We did some things differently, but it just didn't work out that way. And so, uh, you know, this is a this is a production business, and you know we have to we have to play better on on defense. We have to play better as a football team, but we have to play better better on defense. Sorry, Dirk, I'm not buying that at all. That that doesn't sound like the Dirk Cutter who a couple weeks ago said Mike Smith's not the guy missing tackles. Mike Smith's not the guy blowing coverages. Just a different tone to me in what he said there, Roy. Yeah, a completely different tone. And by the way, uh, this just in, um, Atlanta Falcons can score a lot of points, okay? Uh, they're second to the Saints in the division, 167 points. They're second in the NFC, well, third in the NFC in points scored. Um, and again, I honestly think that they made some adjustments off the bye week. Um, I think they went out there and tried to play the same scheme that they normally do. Um, and I understand that. But I also believe that they realized that this just isn't going to work. They started blitzing more. And, and I think that helped yesterday. So I thought there were adjustments made. And at the end of the day, uh, okay, Mike Smith is just, you know, I'll say it. It's a cliche. He's the scapegoat for a bunch of guys on that defense not doing the job, not doing their job, missed tackles, missed assignments, poor coverage decisions, um, you know, basic fundamentals not being followed uh, throughout the, the defense. And, and by the way, I mean, outside of Jason Pierre-Paul, have you seen anybody on the defensive line make splash plays consistently? What have we seen Levante David do this year? Not a whole lot. Um, you know, what have we seen from the secondary? A lot of mistakes and a lot of blown coverages. That's not on the coordinator. That's on the players. Well, I, I mentioned Gerald McCoy yesterday. I know we talked about that. But, uh, you know, I can walk and chew gum at the same time, guys. And I can add and talk and do a podcast at the same time. How about this number? You know the Baltimore Ravens defense, Roy and Justin, how good it was back in 2000 when they won a Super Bowl? By my math, your Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense through five games so far this year has allowed more points than that Ravens defense allowed the entire season. That's, that, <laughs> that is tremendous original research there, my friend. Many people, I, I, I'll tell you what, there's, I would be envious of you if I hadn't done my own original research on this, you know, and just shown that, the, 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 you know, in essence, the, the Falcons are a team to score a lot of points. So, uh, but that's an incredible stat. And, and, and you know what? That's why he's gone. That's why he's gone. This was a firing for firing's sake. This was a change for change's sake. This is not necessarily designed to make this team better. It's just somebody has to pay for this horrific start to, to, the, to the season defensively. 
and you start at the top. And look, does anybody – look, I don't want to start beating up on Mark Duffner. I'm sure he's a fine linebackers coach. Um, you read his bio in the Bucks. Uh, you know, we don't get to talk to these guys very much anymore, but you read his bio in the Bucks media guide. And he's had a couple of pro bowlers or consistently had pro bowlers that he's coached. Great. That's wonderful. But by the way, the last time he was a defensive coordinator was 2002. It was a pretty good season uh, for the Buccaneers. I'm sure fans remember that season. What they probably don't remember about that season is that the 32nd worst defense in terms of points scored was the Cincinnati Bengals defense run by one Mark <laughs> Duffner. So if you honestly think this is going to change anything, um, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take the bet. All right. Mark Duffner to uh, parlay with my partner, Roy Cummings. When he was defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals were 8-24. and 24. Now, he had a great run at Holy Cross. How about that? 65-1 and one as a head coach. Uh, but at Maryland as a head coach, 20 and 35. Now, this isn't a Mark Duffner pylon, but I agree with my partner Roy Cummings here. This isn't a cure-all either, but I will say this. Let's bring up this part of the conversation. Do you believe in, hey, this will spark the defense, maybe to light a fire under Gerald McCoy or Levante David or Quan Alexander? Does that play a part into this at all? Because as I mentioned earlier, the defensive numbers are staggering for the Buccaneers. I mean, the worst start really in the history of this franchise, in this history of the franchise, well, they had some bad years. But it, it really couldn't get any worse. So can this help it get any better at all? You know, my guess is it does get actually a little bit better because I honestly think that the players have to get better. They can't get worse themselves. And I think experience is going to be uh, the answer. You know, that's the solution here is experience, particularly – in the secondary of these young players. And, you know, by the way, I guess nobody's pointing out the fact that, you know, you've got, you've changed things up. You know, Kendall Beckwith hasn't been here in the lineup yet. And he's a player who made a big impact on this team last year when he played. Um, they haven't, we've yet to really see anything from Vita Vea. Um, I haven't seen much. Uh, we certainly haven't seen anything from Noah Spence. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot except for a splash here and there from, Vinnie Curry. I mean, again, I just keep going back to the fact that this team is beat up in the secondary. It's playing inexperienced players in the secondary. The linebackers are not playing well. The defensive line is not playing well. Maybe they've tuned out Mike Smith. Maybe that's what this is about. I just don't think so. My belief is this is a change for change's sake. Um, and I think it's a message to, to everyone else above Mike Smith that you're next. If this thing doesn't get turned around overall, you're next. Anybody can coach Jameis Winston. He's making strides. Anybody can do it, and we'll get someone else in here to do it as well. I, I think this is a, an indication that uh, Dirk Cutter's job is on the line. Uh, we're not that anybody should be surprised by that, but I think um, this, is a, this is an indication that uh, more heads will roll if this thing doesn't change. Oh, no doubt about it. That's why I think this was definitely a Glazier decision, and, and I know you agree as well. But back to Mark Duffner. This isn't a Mark Duffner pile-on session, but let's talk to Dirk Cutter about Mark Duffner and what he may bring to this Buccaneer defense. Duff has been a coordinator in this league. He's uh, the most experienced coach on our staff, period, at, at any position. And uh, I think I – think, uh, you know, he's, he coaches in the middle of the defense. He coaches the linebackers. So his his guys relate both to the back-end players and the front-end players. That's Cutter on Mark Duffner. We broke down his resume. Uh, 
you know, I wonder how Mark Duffner feels because, you know, he would love to be a defensive coordinator again in the NFL, you would imagine. But uh, Mike Smith is a he's the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL, Roy. I mean, he's a highly respected guy. He hired Dirk Cutter in Atlanta. They coached together in Jacksonville. Uh, has to be kind of a, a strange feeling if you're Mark Duffner. Right? Yeah, I think they've put him in a tough spot. I really do, because it's expected now of Mark Duffner outside of the building. I don't know what the expectations are inside the building. You would hope they're a little bit more realistic. But outside of the building, there is a belief that this will change everything. This is what everybody wanted. And, and I have heard people in the media, fans as well, calling for Mark Duffner to be named the defensive coordinator and, and to fire Mike Smith. So those people got their wish. But I think they've put Mark Duffner in a tough spot, uh, a no-win situation, really, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I think the defense will continue to improve a little bit, but I thought it was going to continue to improve under Mike Smith. I thought it improved yesterday, actually. I really did. Uh, I thought based on what we saw in the second half against that Falcons offense, um, you know, I thought that uh, they made some strides, and I thought there were signs there that this can get better if some players start playing smarter. And uh, again, if that doesn't happen, nothing's going to change, you know, in the macro end of things here. So uh, again, I don't know what they're expecting out of this. To me, it just would have made more sense to just hang on through the end of the season, see what happens, make your move then. Um, unless they're afraid that, you know, there was going to be another second half rally uh, under Mike Smith and they'd, they'd be stuck with him again next year. I, I don't know if that was their fear. But, you know, because that's the reason he's here now. You, we all remember way back to his first season here, um, rough start out of the gate. Seems like that's typical uh, of the Buccaneers under Mike Smith. Rallied in the second half of the season, really did exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, they felt like they had to hold on to him. Everybody was calling for Mike Smith to be retained. It was like, I remember, you know, I thought I thought they were going to throw a parade down uh, Dale Mabry when, <laughs> when he was retained th- uh, two years ago. And then last year, you know, let's face it, actually, on third down, they were a pretty good football team. So um, they've had moments here where they've played some pretty good football under Mike Smith. It just didn't happen at the start of this season. Uh, and, of course, that, that coincides at a time when in the NFL it's just getting harder and harder, if not impossible, uh, to play good defense anyway. Yeah, well, speaking of change, Dirk Cutter was asked a very good question at the press conference on Monday he was asked, what about this defense really needs to change the most? We have to cover better because we, you know, we're, we played man, we played zone, we played blitz zone. Uh, we, we, we have to cover better. And part of covering better is, is getting, getting pressure on the quarterback. Now, we've seen the last two, two teams we've played have, have both gone to a lot of, a lot of seven-man protection. Uh, I, think, I think we are getting you know, some pressure with a four-man rush, but uh, four on seven. And then we, we did blitz more uh, yesterday. We did pressure a lot more. But, uh, you know, we're just giving up too many chunk plays. I would say that would be accurate. I, I agree with Dirk Cutter, and I'm thinking Roy Cummings does too. I do, and I'm going to throw a name out at you guys. Who is Alex Adams? Alex yep. Adams? Uh, sounds familiar. What do you think, Justin? I don't know. He wears number 26 for the Buccaneers. He, he plays safety. They picked him up last week. And he was, in, he was in on one of the key third downs yesterday in the first half, and he dropped about 22 yards off the line of scrimmage on a third and eight. He's been a <laughs> linebacker in a cover two scheme. You stop at the stick. <laughs> this, well, I'm pointing him out for two reasons. 
Number one, I think he epitomizes the problems the Buccaneers have in the secondary. Injuries have forced them to play people like Alex Adams, who they just picked up a week ago, in key situations. Alex Adams is not a good football player. There's a reason he's out on the street. He was out on the street. He's not a good football player. That's what they're stuck with right now. A bunch of Alex Adamses. Okay. And Carlton Davis didn't play yesterday. MJ Stewart got schooled all day long playing in the slot. We love him, but he's got a long way to go to become, you know, I I remember Rondé Barber telling me that he was lost, clueless for three years. He thought he was going to get cut every year for three years. And then all of a sudden a light went off, a bulb went off in his head and he figured it out early in late in year three, early in year four. I remember, I think he, I think he, I think his, his, the way he told me the story was he was hoping that he, he did enough late in year three that they wouldn't cut him so that he could make it to year four because he finally had figured it out. And luckily he did. And then of course, you know, he's had a hall of fame career ever since the same happens with almost everybody in a secondary in the NFL, almost everybody. And it's certainly, you know, we're not talking about first round draft picks here with Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, MJ Stewart. We're not, we're talking about second, third, fourth round draft picks. And therefore, when those guys are pressed in a consistent, regular action, there are going to be all kinds of mistakes, mental and physical. And that's more than anything what the Bucs are suffering as a, res- uh, as a result of, those kind of mistakes. And unfortunately, they're happening everywhere. They're happening up front. They're happening in uh, with, with the linebackers. And so who's got to pay for that? Well, okay, go fire the defensive coordinator. But just don't think it's going to make a big difference. Alex Adams, man. Mark Duffner says, thank God for Alex Adams. We, we stopped talking about Duffner. We're on to Adams now. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. And, and I remember Alex Adams in a press release now. I was Googling him, and three models named Alex Adams just showed up in my Google. <laughs> the models might be might defend better because the, the quarterback could be staring them down. So, you know, they might have been better off with the, with the models because poor Alex Adams just isn't a good football player. Be envious, Alex Adams. No. Your your Google search doesn't have the uh, the game from Sunday. All right, here's my thing, Roy. How about this? The way the way sports works is kind of funny sometimes. If Deshaun Jackson just happens to pick the uh, the lateral from Mike Evans and gets in the end zone, Buck Nation is excited. They're over 500. Is Mike Smith still a defensive coordinator? Probably. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I think the fact that they lost it, it just. It, it, it just it forced a move. I honestly think, as we said at the top, this was a Glazers move. I think the Glazers got together and said, forget it. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. We're not getting any better. Why should we believe that after three years, things are going to change? Time to move on. We'll start looking for a new D coordinator uh, now, but you know, we'll really do our, our, our best research after the season, see what becomes available. Maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle. It didn't work out. Um, and, and my guess is, again, the, the that this is a message to Dirk Cutter that, hey, he's he's gone for now. You'll be next if things don't change. Yeah, I think he's definitely keeping his job if that happens. That's the funny thing about sports, and you could you could give ex- a million examples about that. But, uh, you know, Justin, I'm sorry uh, we kind of dove right in. Were you surprised by the news today? Uh, I was a little more like what you were saying, Mike. I think obviously going into the bye would have been the best time to do it. And then the fact that, the defense did play significantly better in the second half. I thought maybe he, for at least a week, you know, saved his job. But I guess they're looking for a change or a spark or something. Who knows if that's going to help, though? All right. Well, I don't know if we've 
can really talk about this any further, though. But uh, I mentioned that stat earlier, though. The Baltimore Ravens defense for the entire season, the entire season, regular season, gave up 165 points. Your Buccaneer defense after five games, eight more points, 173. I think uh, a change had to be made, but I just don't get why it wasn't made before the bye week. But you know what? We've talked about Mike Smith. We've talked about Mark Duffner. We've talked about Alex Adams. You know what? We have three more and we're out. And you know what that means, Justin? Even on a breaking news podcast, <laughs> we deliver you our three and out yeah, man. I'm excited about this one because Justin and I usually kind of talk a little bit and, oh, we're going to surprise Roy with this. We're going to throw this at him. But you know what? Justin doesn't know what I'm throwing out either. So we're going to bring Justin in. We got Roy in here. And uh, it's always – I am I have the advantage because I know the questions. But uh, you know what? I did see that Elton John's coming to Tampa in November. And uh, if, if you're wondering why I brought that up, Pewter Pirate Nation, it's because uh, – I routinely know the questions, but I routinely get uh, cornered by these two guys who disagree with me. They think Elton John's better than Billy Joel. So maybe we should fly Justin in <laughs> and have like an early Christmas party and go see Elton John in November. But anyway, all right, I'm going to do three questions here and we're out. And I'm kind of excited about uh, all three of them. And we do a little pop culture here as well. So I know, you know, Mike Smith uh, gets fired today. A lot of people are happy about that if you're Bucks fans, but we're going to get away from that and do our three and out. Uh, my first question in the three and out, all right? It's shut up time again. It's shut up. I, I'm, I'm so tired of uh, three of these uh, choices for different reasons, but here we go. The Jaguar defense has been just ripped to shreds the last couple of weeks, <laughs> but we hear Jalen Ramsey in his mouth talk week after week after week after week about how great he is, and I think he's a great player, but Jalen Ramsey, your defense sucks, and I'm tired of you. I want you to shut up, but we have Jalen Ramsey. Who do you want to shut up the most? Jalen Ramsey, we're going to go into baseball a little bit. I know Roy Cummings, that's right down your alley. We have David Price, who's a great pitcher, but in the postseason, he's now 0-9, and it has a 6.03 earn run average. And But he keeps saying after these games, well, I thought I was okay. No, David Price, you're awful. Shut up. And then I'm just going to throw in for good measure Jimmy Butler again, because Jimmy Butler just seems to be the story or the gift that keeps on giving. He just doesn't leave us as an NBA story, <laughs> suddenly Jimmy Butler is better than LeBron. So we have Jalen Ramsey, we have David Price, and we have Jimmy Butler. Who should shut up the most? I'm going to stick with Jimmy Butler. I, I hear you on David Price. I love David Price. I just, yeah, it just doesn't work out for him in the, uh, uh, obviously in the, in the playoffs for some reason, just not the same pitcher, not the same result at least. Um, yeah, Jalen Ramsey, he's, he's getting close because uh, you better start talking with your play here pretty soon. But, yeah, Jimmy Butler, again, it's manufactured drama for the NBA and for ESPN to, to sell something, uh, and he's buying into it. He, you know what? He, he's the shiny new toy uh, in the NBA realm. Uh, everybody's paying attention to him now. Everybody's look at him, look at him, making a bunch of noise. Just shut up. Go, go play a game and pop off, you know? Before Justin jumps in here, I love the latest story came down in the uh, Pioneer Press from Minnesota 42 minutes ago. Jimmy Butler to Timberwolves fans, go ahead, boo me. You know what, Jimmy? Just go away. I hope he has the worst <laughs> season in history coming up. But go ahead, Justin. Well, I'm uh, I'm leaning towards the Jaguars. I mean, 
everyone on that defense, if they're talking smack, should shut up because they gave an embarrassing or had an embarrassing loss to the Cowboys, whose offense up to this point has been pretty anemic. So uh, I'm leaning towards the Jaguars. I, I was shocked yesterday at how well the Cowboys ran up and down that Jaguars defense. I'm with you. Jalen Ramsey is my biggest shut up uh, in this three and out segment. Uh, you know, I think he's a hell of a player. Uh, he's a player, boy, the Bucks could desperately use a Jalen Ramsey type player. Boy, you know, he may, uh, he would definitely add some spark on the field and off, no question about it. But he's my guy, shut up as well. All right, second one. This is kind of interesting, guys. I'm really interested to get your, your feedback on this one. Both of these guys are hated by Twitter Nation, and I frankly don't get it, but. Who do you dislike the most out of these two announcers? Because they get a lot of grief on Twitter, and I frankly don't understand it. Chris Collinsworth or Joe? It's Buck? not even close. Chris Collinsworth. I think he's the most really? overrated analyst in the oh. NFL. Everything is the greatest and the best, and this and that and the other. Last night, for example, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, he starts telling me about how. Look at these great hands on uh, – uh, who's the receiver? For, uh, God, I just uh, had, had a brain cramp. Um, the, the, the receiver that was with the, the Browns for all those years. Uh, uh, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, yeah, sorry. Look at the great hands on Josh Gordon. I was talking to Tom Brady. He says this guy never never drops a ball, never drops a ball. Never seen him drop a ball. Never seen him drop a ball in practice. Never seen him drop a ball in a game. Yeah, well, he dropped the ball all right on every team he's played for by being – by being uh, high on something. Uh, I, look, and, and then all I did, I, I watched the rest of the game, and I'm like, I, I, I think I saw him drop three balls after that. So, look, <laughs> I'm just not a Chris Collinsworth fan. I think he's Mr. Hyperbole. Everything is is so much bigger and better and greater because he's covering the game. It's always the best player, the best team, the best this, the best that in the NFL. It can't be that way. Gruden was the same way. It just can't be that way. Not everything is the best every time you have a game on your air. Roy Cummings was like in his three-point stance, man. <laughs> it was like JPP there, man. No hesitation. Blitz the quarterback, baby. Right. <laughs> Love it. Justin, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to lean. I'm going to go with Roy. I, I think Chris Collinsworth seems to hype up everything and everyone, whether they deserve it or not. Uh, Joe Buck for a while used to kind of lack enthusiasm with football. I think he's gotten better over the years. They're still both kind of not the best, but of the two, Joe Buck is better. I'm cornered again. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, we went to the same high school from Titusville, Florida, and I know that's away from the argument. I have a lot of respect for his career. I think he's great. I, I think he's the best color analyst out there. And I'm going against Roy Cummings again. And I don't I don't dislike Joe Buck, but here's my favorite pastime. When Joe Buck and Chris Collinsworth are on the air, I give it like an hour, right? And then I pull out my phone and I just search them both on Twitter. And it's just a friggin' field day for both of them. It's <laughs> unbelievable the vitriol for both of those guys. But you know, Joe. I don't. I'm going to say neither. But if I had to pick, I'd say Joe because I don't think Joe has that signature anything like Al Michaels. I think Tariko's good. I don't think he's in that class. But it, Joe Buck had a great book called Lucky Bastard because he is Jack Buck's son, but he is a bastard. 
and he makes fun of himself. I like the fact that he embraces the Twitter hate. He embraces the haters a little bit if you if you follow him on Twitter. But I got to disagree, man. Collinsworth has always been my guy, and I think he's not only a smart guy, he does his homework. I, I saw a story a couple years ago on Real Sports on how much he really studies during the week. So I guess Roy Cummings would take Joe Theismann over Chris Collinsworth. Huh? I don't know if I'd do that. Here's my, here's my bottom line on, on, on analysts, okay? When I watch an analyst or listen to an analyst throughout a game, did I learn something new? I've watched a lot of football. I don't, I don't right. possess, possess or, uh, profess to know much about the game at all. When I watch an analyst, when I watch Rondé Barber, when I used to watch John Lynch, when I watch Mike Mayock, okay, even watching Gruden, I learned something every time I watch them. I can't say that about Chris Collinsworth. I, I find out from him that so-and-so is the best I've ever seen at this and somebody else is the best I've ever seen at that. But I really don't learn much about the game from him, and that's what I want to do. I want to learn something about the game, and I seldom get that from him. Okay. I know we got to move on because uh, we have busy nights. But before we get into the third question, here's a guy that I've always learned something from, and I think he's a very underrated guy. I think you're going to agree with me on this, Roy. Pat Kerwin. Every time I hear that guy on the radio, very informative. I heard a radio – every time I hear a radio segment, I know he's not a former player or anything. Am I crazy? Do you like him? I think Love he's him. great. First of all, uh, look, Pat Kerwin has been one of my sources uh, for years, for years. When I need something, I need to know about a player. I need to know what's going on inside an organization, uh, particularly the Bucks back in the Bruce Allen days. Pat Kerwin was my guy. I went to Pat Kerwin. Uh, Pat Kerwin is as good – is as good as it gets. Okay, so we I want to agree with you. We'll look little, little kumbaya moment after the Collinsworth controversy. Okay, all right, last one on our three and out segment. We do a little pop culture, and Justin Justin gave me a long list of stuff, so I wanted to surprise Justin. This is not on Justin Thomas's list. All right, favorite late night guy right now. Favorite late night guy. You're a Fallon guy. You're a Colbert guy. Are you a Kimmel guy? Roy I'm a uh, I'm a Fallon guy. Uh, I've never gotten into the Colbert thing. Don't quite get it, um, but I'm a Fallon guy. What do you think, Justin? Can I go with Conan? Oh, I love Conan. No, it's got to be Kerb. Conan was huge. Conan's Conan, on now. Conan got screwed. He's on uh, TBS, I think. I know, but he, he got screwed by Leno. I hated that. He did get screwed. But I love, I love Conan. But the best job in America is being Andy Richter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think you're right about that. Um, out of those three, who do you got, though? What were the three again? Co- uh, Colbert and Kimmel. Uh, Fallon comes across as fake. Um, so it's – ooh. I'm going to go with Kimmel. I like Colbert as a person, but I don't know. I think Kimmel is the best of the three. Well, I agree with Roy Cummings again. I, I didn't like Fallon when he first started, and then Fallon was very smart, and maybe we'll bring this full circle. Then he kind of did it his way. Maybe Dirk Cutter is going to do it his way with Duffner now. Like, I'm going to buy that. But anyway, Fallon, to me, became Fallon. He tried. He's not a great interviewer. But he's a great innovator to me. That's what what made Letterman great is he did stuff that you've never seen before on television. And he does it. I think people, you know, I, I work with Drew Brees a lot. And Brees tells me of the three, he loves going on Fallon because you never know quite how it's going to be. You know, everything's different. I love the way he 
you know, you know, does things with celebrities they've never done before. To me, that's always been my argument with interviewing people. I don't know if you agree with me this, with this, Roy, but when you interview athletes, I think athletes like to do different stuff. A lot of the time they get asked the same questions over and over again. They like different things for the most part, unless they just don't like the media anyway. But uh, I agree with you. On yeah, that. I think Fallon, uh, he has a way of getting, you know, the best in the business to do things on TV that you would never in a, in a million years think they would do. You know, right. break eggs on their forehead, uh, you know, get in a pie fight, stuff like that. Um, it's incredible what he gets people to do. And it's and it's hilarious. And and you know what? Nobody. Do, I'm not sure anybody does a better Neil Young impression. In fact, he does a lot of good impressions. Music. He, he does. He's, yeah, he's good at that. On its own. Be envious exactly. of my man. Jimmy you got Brown. that right, my friend. That's right. Well, listen, guys, uh, breaking, breaking news. We're all over it here on a few extra bucks. And, of course, PeterPyrus.com will keep you up to date all week as we preview this game. And the next time we do a podcast, we will preview the Browns coming into Raymond James Stadium. That should be an interesting game because they're certainly not the Browns that we've seen the last, uh, you know, 10 to 12 years. Well, listen, for Justin Thomas, for Roy Cummings, for our title sponsors, House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, and for Sea Dog Brewing Company in Clearwater and Treasure Island, great brews, great food, great service. I'm merely Mike Neighbors. Thanks for checking out PeterPyrus.com. Subscribe, it's free. This is another rendition of a few extra bucks.